with grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, we're one week into 2024, and I'm curious. You want to cancel your seven-day free trial? You want to keep your subscription for the next 12 months? You're keeping yours? How, how's this first week been for you so far? Okay. Sort of okay? I saw a, a Peanuts cartoon online last week that showed Lucy and Charlie Brown out walking in the snow. And Lucy said, I hate this year. Everyone said things would be better, but they're not. I don't think this is a new year at all. I think we've been stuck with a used year. Maybe you're kind of feeling like Lucy. Maybe your first impression of 2024 is not so good. Right? You don't want the rest of this year to be like your past week was. Or maybe last week just kind of felt like any other week for you. Right? It wasn't bad, but it wasn't extraordinary either. It just was. Or maybe you're like me and coming off a little break. Right? You're back to work. You're back to school. You're just trying to get back into the swing of things now. Whatever this week has been like for you, we've all had a first impression of 2024. The thing about first impressions, though, is that they don't tell the whole story. Today is Baptism of Our Lord Sunday. And in a way, this gospel reading is about first impressions, too. And what the real story is. Now, if you remember, we actually heard most of this reading already, way back on the second Sunday of Advent. Back then, the focus was on the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ and on John's proclamation. But today, we actually get the scene of Jesus' baptism. Granted, it's all of three verses long, but each of those verses gives us an important detail to notice. And when we add those three details together, we can see there's more going on than what we see in a first impression, both for Jesus and for us. So let's start with verse 9. It says, In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth and Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Okay. Right? Sounds pretty straightforward. The thing to notice here, though, is that Jesus was from Nazareth. But of course we know that. Right? He's called Jesus of Nazareth. But Nazareth was an unlikely place for somebody important. In John 1.46, which actually comes from next week's Gospel reading... Philip finds Nathanael and says, We have found him about whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote. Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. And Nathanael then says, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Right, Nazareth was kind of a, a backwater town. Right? It wasn't a big, important place like Rome or Jerusalem. But this is where Jesus is from. Sometimes, like Nathaniel, we form first impressions of people based on where they're from. 
We think that if somebody lives in a certain town or a certain county or a certain country, then we assume that they think a certain way and behave a certain way. We assume that everybody from that place is all the same. But of course that's not true, right? Either in our day or in Jesus' day. Even if people didn't expect much to come out of Nazareth, that's still where Jesus was from. Right? There's more to the story. In a way, think of it like when a baby starts to form in the womb. Right? Yes, we know the science behind how babies develop in utero. But when the process starts, there's just some cells. And then a gloopy blob. It could be really easy to just look at this and think, can anything good come out of this mess of cells? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? First impression says no, but we know there's more to it. Something good can and does come out of this. So that's the first thing to notice. Right? Jesus comes from a surprising place. Second, verse 10 says, And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove. Now, when we picture this scene, we often imagine a dove coming down out of the sky and getting ready to land on Jesus' head. That's the image we see in a whole lot of paintings. But the Greek word here doesn't mean that the Spirit came onto Jesus. Instead, it means that the Spirit came into Jesus. In baptism, Jesus became possessed by the Spirit. The Bible talks about people being possessed by demons, but you can be possessed by the Holy Spirit too. And that spirit animates everything Jesus does from then on. And that's probably why this gospel writer doesn't give us any birth story. Because in a way, Jesus' story really starts at his baptism. In some Christian traditions, the baptism of our Lord's Sunday is even a bigger day for them than Christmas. I mean, yes, the Christmas story is all nice and cute and wonderful, but now with baptism, the story really gets going. And in Greek and in Hebrew, the word for spirit is also the same word for wind or breath. So with that first breath, then there's really new. The same thing happened with you at your baptism. You were possessed by the Holy Spirit. You were given new life. And that new life propels you out to share God's love with the world. Just like it did for Jesus. And think again about that messy blob of cells forming in the womb. 
as soon as those cells form into a baby and the baby's born, what happens? The baby breathes. This is why people are excited to hear the baby cry for the first time. Because it means the baby's breathing. Yes, the baby was living in the womb, but there's a new kind of life when the baby is born. There's a new kind of life when the baby starts to breathe. That's what happens in your baptism. Yes, you were alive before you were baptized, but in baptism, that's when your life really takes off. That's when you were given the breath of life. You were given the Spirit of God. And that Spirit sticks with you your entire life. You became possessed by it. You can breathe now. Who would have thought that this messy glob of cells could receive the breath of life? First impression says that shouldn't happen. But the rest of the story says that it does. And who would have thought that this moment when you're at the font, when you are at that water, When you hear those promises, when a little bit of water even just gets poured on your forehead, who would have thought that that would be important? First impression just says there's not a whole lot going on here. But the rest of the story says that's vitally important. So that's the second thing. The Spirit breathes in Jesus. And in you. The third thing to notice is in verse 11. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. Now remember, Jesus showed up on the scene only two verses ago. He hasn't done anything yet. No healings, no miracles, no parables, no dying on the cross, nothing. He hasn't done anything because of this spirit that now possesses him. He's just there. And yet God the Father still says, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. When you were baptized, I can imagine God saying those words over you too. God is the one who gives you your identity. Yes, other people might make their first impressions of you and think they know you. Right? They look at your appearance or your age or where you live and they think they've got you all figured out. Or maybe they look at your job. Or the way you treat people, or what kind of car you drive, and they think they know you. But they don't. There is so much more to you than that first impression. 
The rest of the story says that God is the one who really knows you. Or to put it a better way, God is the one who really defines you. Even before you have done a thing, good, bad, or otherwise, you are God's beloved child. And with you, God is well pleased. Go back to that baby who's just been born. This baby is now breathing with this amazing breath of life. And as the baby breathes, then what? Does the baby get straight A's on a report card? Or score the winning touchdown or get a full ride scholarship? Does the baby earn a lot of money? Or drive a fancy car or have a corner office? Does the baby leave a legacy for future generations? Or discover a career for cancer? Or even tell people about Jesus? No, of course not. Right? The baby doesn't do any of that. Instead, the baby's just there. But what do the people around the baby? Right away, good parents love this kid. They hold that baby in their arms and they are in awe. They might say something like, My son, my daughter, I have never loved anyone the way I love you right now. The baby hasn't done a thing. And yet loving parents still claim this baby as their own. Good parents are so overcome by love for this child. And the child can't possibly comprehend it. That's the way it is with God and you. Even before you have done anything remarkable. Even before you've royally screwed up, God says, you are my beloved child with whom I am well pleased. God loves you like crazy, and you will never fully comprehend that. That means your identity in God is not dependent upon what you do. It's not about your successes or your failures. It's simply about God's love for you. That's what gives you your identity. Loving parents name this new child and welcome them into the family. This is who you are, and this is where you belong. In the same way, that's what God does for you. Jesus heard his identity in his baptism. And he then carried that identity with him into the rest of his public ministry. And so do we.
So when Jesus was baptized, he came from a surprising town. He was possessed by the Holy Spirit. And he was given his identity in God. And I know none of us are Jesus. But in a way, these same things happen to you. You come from a surprising place. The Holy Spirit breathes in you. And you are given your identity in God. Because of this love. Because of this spirit. Because of this identity. You can now tell others about this one who loves you like crazy. This is where your story really takes off. You see? Because that's who you really are. And that's whose you are. So no matter what your first impression has been like of 2024, and no matter what first impressions other people may make of you, remember there is more to the story than that first impression. You are God's beloved child. And with you, God is well-pleased. That is a wonderful way to start a new year. And to start a new life. So in the name of the one in whom we live, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.